0: We're live. Welcome to Hit Different, my friends, your weekly music culture podcast with me, Mikey Carl, So Sophia Moli, and our guest this week, Nairi. What up, Nyri? Woohoo!
1: <laughs> Doing good? How are you?
0: Excellent. Coming up in this episode, we're gonna be talking about the new Anderson Pack record label Ape Shit also talking about when to sync your music good examples of that and getting nairi sort of taken and her experience with syncing music to, to film tv etc and then going into nairi's career incredible album number three best breakthrough artist talking about all that kind of stuff just that constantly breaking through vibe that she has so let's do it after the break here comes the break That was a great break. I enjoyed that, everybody. (laughs) And we're back and we're live. So, yeah, give us a little rundown, uh, Nairi, on where you are, a tight 30-second elevator pitch on your life.
1: Oh, wow. My life is pretty monotonous at the moment, but amazing because I don't have to drive to Sydney um, as much as I did before lockdown. I'm in Dakhonjong country on the central coast. I'm surrounded by beautiful rainforest and life is good.
0: Fantastic. Uh, support it different if you like. This is not just you no, although you can you can chip us a couple of bucks a month if you want to listen to your own episode and other mushroom podcasts covering <laughs> Aussie music. Why, why just become a subscriber? You know, why why not, people? You're listening to my voice now. You could get more of this. This bullshit in your ears. <laughs> Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and check out the episode notes. You get early access, ad-free episodes, and anything else we can pull together, all the scoops straight into your ear. It feels nice, doesn't it? Sort of ASMR, scoop into your yeah, ear. Yeah, get close in the mind. That's night. right. Free trial on Apple and only $1 for the first month everywhere else, then $4 per month after that.
2: <laughs> mm, don't
0: encourage me, guys. This is the worst thing you can possibly do at the start of the episode.
1: No, keep going. <laughs>
0: Hello. Talk to me about Anderson Pack, someone we all love. Silk Sonic with Bruno Mars is coming out. He's got this ape shit label. What's
2: going on? Yeah. So Anderson Park has launched his own label. It's called Ape Shit Inc., which stands for Anderson Pack Empire. And if you've watched the launch video, which I highly recommend, the shit just means we on some other shit.
0: Down mm. here so mm. you know it
2: kind of wraps it up really nicely puts a little bow on it it's a new venture between anderson and the universal music group i feel like every artist and his dog is launching their own freaking imprint at the moment we've seen it with like travis barker's got dta records with electra feels just like a lot of a lot of artists are really starting to move more into that label headspace But for Anderson, you know, he got sick and tired of going to shows and according to him, he was seeing less and less performers actually performing and playing instruments live. I think if you've seen Anderson Park perform, him and his band, Free Nationals, again, they're on some other shit, but like the the way that Anderson himself can drum and sing and rap at the same time, it's really cool. So he's launched Ape Shit Inc. in order to take that spirit and push it with new artists with emerging artists with different instrumentalists but there's this core idea of uh, putting instrumentalists and live performers to the forefront says that the label will look to raise the bar on music with its selection of artists there'll be no gimmicks no button pushing just raw ass talent (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah it's really this idea of fostering a new generation of performers and sort of keeping that central focus on the art of music making itself. You know, he's been busy. Oh yeah, As you said, Mikey, he's got this Silk Sonic project with Bruno Mars. The debut album from that project is coming out on November 12th. So if you're into that sort of hazy 70s throwback R&B and, and disco funk vibe, which I very much am into, that you know, you can get around that soon. But with this label, they're saying that it's going to be about covering all different genres, but for me when I first read about this I'm like I feel like it's there's gonna be a focus on the hip hop and kind of pop worlds. You know, he's talking about not seeing artists actually perform as live instrumentalists. I'm I'm presuming a lot of that is referring to, you know, Artists just playing the beats all the time, or you know, backing tracks, whatever.
0: Artists that don't take enough risks live.
2: Yeah. So, what what do we think about it? Do we do we think that instrumentalists, I guess, as core performers or vocalists, are becoming a bit obsolete? Like, what do we what do we think?
0: I'll throw to you first, Nari. What, what's your take on all this?
2: I think that we're
1: in different times right now in terms of, you know, everyone can produce in their bedrooms now. And it, I mean, what's that story about Flume? How he found like. Some software Nutri in the box. Yep. In a, in yeah. Box yeah. And that, exactly. You know, it's so, <laughs> it's so accessible now. And why would you put hours and hours of practice into learning an instrument? I, I am for everyone playing instruments, but I, I think that for today's generation, where, I mean, nothing against them, but I think that they want things to happen immediately. You know, there's this real urgency to.
2: Totally. There's an urgency.
1: There's an urgency, in that comes down to music as well, you know. If if they can find a shortcut to to do it that way, then, you know, and it's a completely valid way of doing things as well. But I do miss, you know, real instrument instrumentalists, and especially the ones that have really honed in their craft to be able to perform, and 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 play their instrument at the same time. Like it's it's it seems like a real dying art at the moment.
0: I, I think it's a fantastic thing that he's doing, and I love the fact that it's it's very kind of aggressive aggressive as well <laughs> you know saying no button pushing just raw talent i think it's a real shots fired moment in the best possible way because he's basically saying i'm gonna make you know a bit of a song and dance about this whole thing and and you know what the people i take with me they're the people i think are the you know the real shit y- you are the guys that i keep seeing at festivals keep you know here's my backing track don't tell anybody this will all sync up to the lights you know we all know that that, that goes on quite a bit at festivals especially when you know, there's so much pressure on artists as well to to really hit their marks and and make it the most spectacular and most memorable event. Mm-hmm. So everything's sort of timed down to to the second to the bar. I think what what he's doing is he's, he's introducing something where things can go off off of kilter, etc. I mean, think about Bruno Mars. You know, the person he's, he's sort of taking along with the ride in the mutual ride. To see Bruno Mars at the Super Bowl a few years ago. Like I've never seen a person less nervous about playing oh, 100%. Ball. He just dominated. He owned the moment so hard, and he could just see like everything this guy does. He just just sort of is, come, is coming out of every pore in, in his body. I'm um, I'm very curious, Nori, What instruments sort of do you play? And um, you know, and when you, when you're playing live, how much room is there is there to sort of you know experiment and all that kind of stuff?
1: You know what I used to I used to play guitar live, and then I played a show at a festival once, and a lady came up to me and said. Your voice is amazing, but maybe you shouldn't play guitar anymore. And Jesus. this was like,
2: <laughs> thank you. Uh...
1: This was like, uh... oh my girl, thank you. Um, <laughs> this, I think this would have been like seven or eight years ago or something like that. And it was devastating when she said that to me. And I was just like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm that terrible at doing it. And so I stopped playing guitar from that point on. And I wish that I had continued doing it because I was getting better and better with every gig. And I'm hoping that at some point I will go back to doing that on stage. But I've just been filled with like the the fear of Hades to, to be able to hold my own on stage and, and do that again, which is such a shame.
0: There's probably a a correlation as well between you going up in the world and your, your career taking off when your people are just focused on you and your stagecraft and your singing and just everything about that is, you know, you're a transfixing presence. So that lady may, (laughs) may have done you a solid in in the short term and maybe the long term. (laughs)
2: Maybe who knows who knows? I wanted to touch on something because I know that at uni you were you were doing jazz studies, right from memory mm-hmm mm-hmm, yeah, and I know that you know obviously being in that world, there is a certain discipline when it comes to knowing every single facet of whether you're training to be a jazz vocalist, whether you're training to be a musician across the board there you know there's there's such a strong discipline for for knowing your craft and and for honing yourself in that way. Um, When you did move into, I guess, sort of more pop-leaning or just any sort of music outside of that very regimented structure where it can can kind of be a little bit academic, what was it like for you as a performer to sort of shift between those two worlds?
1: To be honest, it was really easy. I didn't finish my degree. I deferred my last year and just because I was just so sick of, Doing something that I really, really loved in an institutional manner granted the 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 program that I was in was amazing, like we had this deal with Hamilton Island where we had to do multiple gigs, like we went there three times a year to perform at the different um venues over there and the the whole thing was that we needed to do two hundred gigs a year to qualify for for wow. the performance aspect of the degree, which was incredible, and that degree doesn't yeah. exist anymore but I just wanted to really hone my craft out in the real world and just just really get some grit to what I was doing and just have some real-world experience.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: So, yeah, it was an easy transition for me, I think.
0: Um, Nick Cave also didn't finish his university degree, Monash Caulfield, and they ended up making him a doctor gave him an honorary doctorate years later because they were like, we want a bit of that sweet Nick Cave wow. uh, co-sign action. It came out – I attended the press conference and he said, actually, I didn't fucking finish the course. <laughs> so, it was So I think there's a lot to be said. Like, <laughs> just, just know what it's time to you know, quit the theory and and, and hit the prack. Um Any predictions about how this is going to go for Anderson Park? Because I, I, th- I think it's going to pop off.
2: I think that for Anderson Park, you know, coming – himself having sort of come up through the industry under the wing of dr dre um having signed with him releasing records underneath him i feel like he's almost had the tutelage on on how to curate um a sound that will give a platform for newer artists but will also give um give himself a platform to to sort of further evolve his own creative vision i feel like that's something that's been super interesting about what anderson park has done as an artist over the over the last few years i mean you can see it in his albums like oxnard is sonically very different from malibu Malibu's very different from ventura like he can move between different genres without losing like that central sort of identity in his songwriting and i feel like if he's then going to project that into discovering artists who have that same sort of drive for creating and honing their own musicianship, I feel like this could potentially be a really cool thing. Without the pressure of being like, I need to find the next Kendrick Lamar, I need to find the next Anderson Park, it's just like, let's just do some cool shit and um, have the bigger backing of Universal behind it eventually to to push him in case something does pop off.
0: Yeah, he's so wonderfully... Just present at all times, Anderson Pack, you know. I think I was talking I can't think of the artist I was talking to, but I was saying, I I remember seeing Anderson Pack play to 12 people for weeks on end just in LA, like a, you know, like a coffee shop in San Mm. Fran and just, you know, just really just hone his craft, just making sure that he was top of his game. I saw Anderson Pack in Norway at the Oya Festival a few years ago. I was lucky enough to go over there and um, he jumped out on stage and the first thing he says, yo, a lot of white people. (laughs) It It was very cool. It was very cool. Very cool. You Friends, you can hunt down myself, uh, Solskjaer Moldy, Marcus Teague, who's not with us today, Nairi, who very much is with us today on socials. Great socials presence. In fact, quick memory. I remember you were in a bit of an insomniac a few years ago, Nairi, and I DM'd you on Twitter and said, try the five, seven, eight breathing. Breathe in for five, hold for seven, release for eight. <gasps> oh, and you, re- yes. you messaged me about going, I tried to, but it gave me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of what i was <laughs> intending <You're> probably
1: <laughs> well done. but i have actually i've gotten more into that breathing stuff and it's um yeah i must admit it's it's amazing it's incredible and i've really just been living by that at the moment
0: excellent big breath in big breath out folks in just a moment we're going to be talking about music sinking succession have used nirvana this week of uh, the song "Rape me and uh, we can talk about you know an experience of sinking and all things sinking to the bottom of the ocean bit of music We're back. Here we are. How good to be in a very sweltery room talking to Nairi on the Central Coast. Her son is uh, being an absolute trooper, just hanging out in the house, not being a pain in the bum. (laughs) Hey, Nairi, are you a fan of Succession? Have you seen the the latest episode dropped a few nights ago?
1: Succession? What even is that? I have no idea. Oh, fantastic.
0: It's just amazing. It's kind of just basically ripping the piss out of Rupert Murdoch. slash. It's almost like a mockumentary of of the Murdoch uh, Empire slash dynasty. right, right. And, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's really, really, it's absolute quality. A lot of dislikable characters, but at the same time, everyone's super into it. This is something you could you could plan to watch if you like. They used Nirvana's song, Rape Me, at a <laughs> very crucial moment of the show when they were having this uh, Waystar town hall meeting. Wow. Shiv, who is the only daughter of Logan Roy, who's, you know, the big Rupert Murdoch, allegedly, character. And in the middle of her sort of trying to sort of step up and, you know, be quite a, a boss bitch. The other brother comes along and somehow plays the song Rape Me through all these huge JBL speakers. Courtney Love tweeted out, Succession, I've never felt so good about approving a usage of a song of Kurtz. You understood this hymn. It's beautiful. I'm sure he's proud. Ask me who it's about one day. I might even tell you, which is pretty cool. Something else I read recently, guys, in in Peter sorry in the Rolling Stone Top 500 Songs, Peter Gabriel talks about the song uh, Salisbury Hill, where he says shortly after... He quit Genesis. He climbed to the top of Little Salisbury Hill in Somerset, reflected on his life-changing decision, wrote this song. This song has gone on to just be this huge sort of you know evergreen hit. He said sort of, he made this sort of concession recently. So the song has since become ubiquitous in movies and film trailers. He said maybe I've let it go too much. So there is that thing where, you know, <laughs> quite nice to have a song so successful that it's <laughs> sort of everywhere. Firstly, I was going to say, what are some of the most sort of tasteful and powerful moments that come to mind for so and for Nari of music used in cinema? Something, you know, perhaps for you, from your youth or whenever that you've really gone, wow, that's just stayed with me.
1: To be honest, the stuff that's really stayed with me, being from my childhood, and it's been like things like as early as like the the first Snow White, like the Disney Mm. Um, animation and that honestly uh you know that old school kind of choral work that they do Mm. i've really like it's just stayed with how i've i've um executed my harmonies over the past records and i mean do you know what i mean it's like the oh yeah that kind of stuff that kind of stuff really gets me you know i love good choral singing and if there's anything Uh, that soundtracked on, on, you know, Netflix or Stan or whatever, that has that kind of singing. That's the stuff that really gets me. And I know that Hans Zimmer kind of exhibits that as well.
2: Absolutely.
1: You know, I mean, I've been watching a lot of of Lion King lately because of my son. (laughs) I
0: was just going to say Lion King sticks out. Every single (laughs) listen.
1: Exactly. Every single listen I noticed. Do
0: you do a good Acevedia? I reckon you've got a good one in (laughs) you,
1: yeah i do it in the morning See? as soon as we wake up over toast
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's your affirmation for the day unreal yeah it's exactly you know good exactly. for a kid to watch something where there's some brutal violence and death so early it's like <laughs> this is what life's about you know get, get used to this highs right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know whether you guys have seen the film on it's a 2010 film uh but they use you and whose army by radiohead in it and there's Oh, incredibly powerful moment twice Ooh. in the song also where is my mind by the pixies in fight club i remember seeing that in the cinema and just just floored me uh so what's a really big moment to so the cinema films uh, um, cinema films and, and music
2: uh you know most of Baz Luhrmann's romeo and juliet for me um being you know entering that sort of preteen FaZe, you know, uh, Desiree singing as How at the party. How incredible was that soundtrack? Oh
1: my gosh.
2: Oh. oh I could listen to a song like Missing You Now and still feel like emotionally stirred by it. <gasps> the the choral rework of oh, just thinking about that makes my
0: yep. break. Yeah, yep. yeah. Great use, of music. Yeah. Great use of music. yeah. Incredible. I'd say that's Bez Lemon's peak as a um, as an auteur <laughs> and, you know as a director. And then it was as all down the middle.
2: And then Australia. You said it. Happened. I uh, agree with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nari, your your voice lends itself. Uh, I mean, people like Lisa Gerard. You know, you could, in my mind, you could be kind of the next Lisa Gerard in a way of your your voice getting used in, in all all different kinds of, of film and TV, etc. What kind of offers have you had sort of put forward to you, and what have you worked in this space much in the past?
1: Yeah, I've been very lucky to have a lot of my songs placed on US TV. Not so much in Australia i don't know so probably watched empire uh
2: yeah i did
0: (laughs) i have not seen it
1: and yeah she did (laughs) i lost my shit when i found that out i remember that distinctly yeah yeah and it was like they gave it so much airtime because it was like this lovemaking scene between taraji p henson and terence howard Mm. and i was like screaming the whole time going oh my god (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. This is so sexy. What which song? It was called Rabbit Hole. Yeah, there have been many, many US T V shows. There was Queen Sugar, um, a couple of years was ago, that- which really just gave
2: Was Boom synced as well? Am I remembering that correctly? Boom's been
1: synced, Dirty Hercules yeah. has been synced. There was um Fifty Cents, uh, you know, how he produced um Power that series yes. for a while. Yes. Um, so a lot of yeah, a lot of those kind of genre uh dramas, I guess.
0: What do we think, my friends? Uh, so Snoop Dogg did the menu log, Everyone Delivers Differently song. Everyone's like, it's Snoop Dogg. We're going to enjoy this no matter what. And then it's been localized. Baker Boy, Kirsten Salty, Darcy Spiller, and Big Twisty recently uh, did their own version of it too. Impossible to criticize Baker Boy or anything at all. I didn't mind it. I, I've, I'm kind of like, it's not it's not a, like a jam. i would feel weird to see it live. I'm glad everyone's getting paid. That's that's yeah. amazing. I'm yeah. like, artists need to make more money, especially the fact that you know these younger artists are coming along for the ride with with, with Danzel. I'm not going to add it to my Spotify like songs, but I love the fact that you know at a time where there's you know so few revenue streams for artists and they're kind of still at the bottom of the food chain, that uh, yeah, that they're getting uh, making that bank. What what do you think of the song?
2: I think I'm I'm kind of the same. Like I feel like with something like the Menu Log song, it only worked as well as it did because it was Snoop Dogg who was doing it. Like totally. can't believe I'm gonna get critical on a on a fucking ad right now. But, you know, everything from his, his flow to just Snoop's inherent humor, almost cheesiness, I feel like that's the main reason why that ad worked. However, like Mikey was saying, I'm just I'm glad everyone's getting paid. Yep. Out yep. of this. <laughs> you know, it's it's a bit of fun. It's colourful. It's it's I feel like the 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 way that this campaign has popped off and it's pro- probably more successful in my eyes because of all the visuals that mm. have surrounded it. Mm. They've really really put put in the effort there. But you know it's fun.
0: Are, are there things that you've turned down in the past Nairo, where you're like, that's a bad fit for me.
1: Things to do with, say, horse racing so much money involved in that, so that, you know, it was quite a substantial <laughs> paycheck. Um, or, you know, things to do with cigarettes. Yeah, just really questionable things, and it really does take a lot of research to get down to the nitty-gritty of what these companies stand for. On the menu log thing, I I was so confused. I was just like, what? menu log is, is <laughs> gangster now? Like, <laughs> what am I
0: supposed to be uh,
1: – what is this message quite... that I'm supposed to be getting? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can order the uh, your anyway. enemies in a body bag, and they'll bring them straight to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Uber Eats has got a little bit of a backlash <laughs> with how much they pay, um, you know, drivers, etc. Menu Log doesn't seem to have had that backlash. I'm sure they don't pay their their drivers, their delivery people that well, but yeah, there seems to have everything sort of hunky dory in Menu Log. Wow, and everyone needs to eat, so yeah. Thank you so much. By the way, today's um, episode sponsored by Menu Log. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to make some bank out of them too. I'm just joking. Uh, Very good. Very good. If there's something we should be covering on the show, hit us up. Come directly to us. My DMs are open. Um, Yeah, that's dangerous, but that's what we do. Friends, we are here with SoSphere Molly, my gorgeous co-host, Mikey Carl, smouldering in this uh, sauna-like studio, talking to the hot talent. A breakthrough artist, Nairi. Can't wait to sort of dig into that a bit more. Uh, your latest project, three, released back in August. Nearly died along the way for the second time in your life. You've had a pretty, <laughs> fuck a duck. You've, you've come through so many things, you know, from, a, you know, basically having to bail from Papua New Guinea because a, a volcano kind of w- wiped out your village. Like, these are all things that are just a, not a, not your standard um, interview fare. I just, we just commend you for coming through and just bringing such great body of work and you know so so sums it up really well i think um and i'll throw it to so to talk a bit about about the record
2: nairi your latest album you know it's it's a master class in taking us on a journey of your identity changing perspectives but also i feel it it just really engages with such a unique part of your creative evolution so i can only imagine what it was like to actually rip all of that apart within yourself as a songwriter now that you're you know you've been able to step away from the project have it out there and doing its thing can you look at an album like 3 objectively and and just enjoy it for for the music that's on it i can
1: now i can now i had to take a few weeks off um after we finished all the media craziness Mm -hmm. because you know with music you're just hitting one one uh landmark to the next and it's just like a constant yeah state of not arriving anywhere (laughs) (laughs) and I you know I've this is my third album now and I just always realized that after you know releasing a body of work out into the world there'd always be this dip um and it's it's just a natural thing to I think it's healthy to just take a step back and go, okay, let's have a look at what I actually did and what I actually achieved, you know, the last couple of years. And let's have just occupy some space with those feelings and occupy space with, um, just the, the knowledge that I did this thing. And now I can, I can fully say that I can, I am proud of what I've achieved and, and that I've truly changed as a person and as an artist through the whole process of it.
0: You've been with us, you know, coming through the Idol thing, from Idol in 2004, which is, you know, what, 17 years ago now. Arguably, people say you kind of broke through then and then you had another album, so your debut album. Blast Blastoma, which really, you know, blasted off, pardon the pun. <laughs> you know, the track once, I mean, like the track Diggin', my daughter, my youngest daughter, Juno, when she was like three or four years old, would always, the drop on Diggin', like the big drop sort of midway yeah. through the song when it all comes back it we'd all like, put your hands in the air on the drop and we'd all poof, put our hands in the air as a family. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it was so such a cool, such a cool moment. And now you've been nominated for Michael Gudinski, Breakthrough Artist at the is the first time this, uh, this um, award's been announced. It's going ahead. Bajira, Greta Ray, Masked Wolf, and Maya uh, up against. Mm-hmm. Obviously, at the same time, we, we, the sort of the nomination is the award in a way for, for when you know, these kind of things sort of come out. Tell us about the feeling of always kind of breaking through <laughs> and feeling like you've established yourself, and then getting this thing against. I feel like you're in on the joke here, you know?
1: Yeah, I feel like a lot of the people that follow me, or uh, I always feel embarrassed about saying that I have fans for some reason. No, no, but no never <laughs> the, own it. The- the, you know there were a few people who were just like breakthrough artists what do you mean <laughs> <Just> like, <yeah. laughs> I know how these things work and you know it's just nice to get the validation from uh, you know an organization like ARIA um, but I mean there's been so many things throughout my career that I have looked at and gone wow that actually happened i you know I managed to play Glastonbury while Dolly Parton was playing and, and James Blake was playing on a different stage. Like th- things like that to me are <laughs> uh, flags in the sand in my mind and, you know, it's just nice to 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 be able to get that acknowledgement at this stage with this album as well.
0: Are you going to go and throw down at, at the Arias? Ooh, are
1: you, are, are you trying to start with... something right now?
0: <laughs> Look, I just say throw down. I'm just trying to get you a gig. <laughs> The Ari is. Are are they asking you to perform? I mean, you nominate for quite a few awards. Four awards. What's what's the haps?
1: Um, I have no idea just yet. Like I said, I've been away for a few weeks, so I just haven't been. I'm just coming back on board now with all of that craziness. But I I have been asked to do something. Um, so we'll see. I can't really I can't really say too much, you know.
0: It's nearly (laughs) a scoop. We'll (laughs) pretend it's not a scoop. It's a scoop. A
2: teaspoon. A teaspoon. What's
0: the tea? tea? (laughs) <laughs> uh, I also want to ask you, because oh, Will coming. Lanx is a bit of a buddy of mine. He's just one of those, you know, oh, he's yeah. just going to have, he's going to have a big moment one day. Like he's had these like sort of semi big moments. Mm. Um, the chords for the track, uh, is it Shiver? The second track, mm. is that right? Mm. Yeah. Which is sort of about your your grandmother who passed, I believe. And and you just listened to some of these chords. You started jamming out and you're like, that's the sound. That That is the sound that I'm relating to. That's sort of speaking to my melancholy and speaking to my grieving what was it about mm. that, that 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 grabbed you and and you you know you could see the whole song sort of like laid out in front of you all of a sudden?
1: I mean, it was exactly what you said. It it really spoke to that to that melancholic memory that I had for my grandmother and just that nostalgia attached to that those chords bring that made me think of her in 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 a you know because the song really speaks about how. I mean, I think a lot of people already know that I took a team back to PNG to research for the album, and it really felt like she, it had fallen on on the on the the end of mourning for for my grandmother, and it really felt like she was following us through that whole trip, as well, and so that's why it's called Shiver. Like mm. I kept looking over my shoulder, going, "Is that her?" You know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh,
1: wow. You know, it's got that kind of spooky feel to it, which you know, really speaks on that uh, connection that, you know, uh, cultures like PNGs or Pacifica cultures in general have have towards, mm. you know, death and the afterlife and, you know, what happens when they cross over to to whatever, whatever that place is that they go to when they die and whether they're still with us. And it really resonated with me when he played that in that way. And it made me think about, you know, us as a people, but also the beauty of being able to mourn for some for for someone that you love together as a community.
2: Because that's that's the thing as well. Like, uh, just to touch on, you know, the different the the different sort of ways cultures in in the diaspora um, do treat death and that that period of time. Like, whenever I talk to a lot of people about the way Samoans mm. treat. Death, uh, you know, a lot of Pacific cultures treat death. It's it's like a transition as opposed to like a full stop, mm. uh, end of life period. And I feel like uh, music, dance, storytelling, all of these formats of expression are often tied in to this transitional period. Mm. That's why we hear like so many, um, so much amazing gospel music, so much amazing songs of mourning rhythms of mourning to, to, to notify that someone has passed mm. whether or not it's you know a, a chief or just someone who's very high up in the family I feel like what you've done with this record particularly with that track is almost like made it for a contemporary audience and to, to give them an insight into something that is you know yes it's very personal but there's there's a cultural element there as well mm. that it's almost educational I feel
1: yeah and it's interesting that you say that cause- you know, I often look at Pacifica art, especially, you know, obviously Papua Gideon art, and you compare it to the art that might come from, you know, Western artists or whatever. And the art that we create within yeah. our cultures is very much to do with life events Um, or ceremonial, there's lots of ceremonial value attached to that, whether it's someone dying or someone being sent off by a dowry to a different family, you know, it's like all of of this art is created for these big moments. And I always wondered why I always wanted to write about death so much. And it's because it runs in my blood. You know, this is the art that we create. (laughs) Mm. It's because we are just programmed <laughs> to mark these things um whether we're you know we're still living within our countries or you know part of the diaspora as you're saying
0: one of the reasons people are responding to it so well is you've just shown this extra so sort of this extra wing of telling sort of like open up like over here look what else i can yeah. do uh, <laughs> yeah you know and, and at the same time you know you, when you were with your son you got so sick that you nearly passed away from what i could understand um, I mean without getting too personal how close do you think you got to death
1: Look I think pain is a really complex thing and there's so many levels of pain that you can feel and you know the pain that I went through during the induction of the the when I was about to have Nadav my son was very different to the pain that I felt um when I had all the abdominal acute ad- abdominal pains so I I think that definitely, if you're if you put someone under very acute stress and anxiety, <laughs> which I was, which I definitely was under, something will happen to your body. And it really felt like that was happening to me because the pain that I had felt, it was almost like there was someone inside me hacking at me with a knife. And I rem- <laughs> I remember saying to Dan, I was like, if we were in a building right now and that was an open window out of this building, I would take it. I would run out of this building right now just so I could stop this pain. And it was, I guess, at that moment that I had said that, we were just like, oh, okay, this is this is really bad. And also, I mean, I was either going to do that or the pain was actually physically going to kill me somehow. Like I'd probably give myself a heart attack or a stroke. And so because we weren't getting any answers, we had to talk about what that would mean.
0: Well, we're glad you stuck with us and released threes through uh, dot dash recordings and yeah. remote Sel- control.
2: Selfishly, we're glad that you're still here
0: <laughs> to give us a
2: beautiful body of work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so oh, cheers uh, for that. Cheers.
0: Cheers for that. Ch- <laughs> us, no babe. worries. Uh, <laughs> 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 we're good to end on it up. Uh, Nairi, would you like to stick around and do a little bonus episode about music that hit different with us?
1: Yeah, sure.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So we're waiting today, and uh, I'm doing the roundup. We talked about Anderson Ape Apeshit. We I think it's going to be a very very good thing for a real artist. "Quote unquote." We skipped to the land of Menu Log, which we um have very various, <laughs> th- various <laughs> thoughts on, but overall, artist making bank e- equals very very good. And uh, Nari just took us on a near death experience. <laughs> so long, um, but
2: we came out of it the other side, guys. Wow, out, she's you guys killing are
0: covering
1: it. It. it all.
2: Yeah, that's exactly,
0: right. Yeah. Thank you very much, listeners. Tell everybody about Hit Different. We're going to finish up now on, on Hit Different and we're going to take it to the literal Hit Different place on the bonus episode with Diary.